Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited to dive into this episode. Before I do, though, I do want to uh, address a question that I get a lot, which is, what kind of training plan do I use, or do you have recommendations for training plans, or for a coach that I should invest in? So for me, whenever I make recommendations for anything, it's always based on things that I've used in my own running and my own career and what's worked really, really well for me. So for me, um, number one, I think having at least a training plan in your training is crucial to not only get great results and hit your goals, but also to progress safely. So many times, and even in my early career, I remember I would progress really, really quickly uh, in terms of distance and mileage and workouts, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And ultimately, I ended up injuring myself. I ended up getting burnt out, and it just was not great at all. And it really was only until I started to follow a solid training plan, um, attuned to my specific race distance, my experience level, how many times uh, I had to really uh, work with in terms of a training block, all those kind of things, I really started to see myself making better progress a lot quicker, making myself be more healthy and not getting injured as many times or not feeling burnt out or mentally strung out by the training. And ultimately, I was able to hit my goals and enjoy my training blocks so, so much more. And on top of that too, I've even gone further and hired a coach as well. But the cool thing is the coach that I hired is the same person who developed the training plans, which is Zach Bitter. Now, if you're familiar with Zach, and you probably are, you know that he's one of the greatest ultra marathon athletes of all time. He's the former record holder for fastest 100 mile time and most miles traveled in a 24 hour period uh, in a running event. Uh, he is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things um, progressing and training and optimization and all those things as well. And what's super cool is he offers pre made training plans that you can pick based on the distance you're training for, your experience level, and also how much much time that you need to train for the race, which are three important pillars that I think everybody needs to get when it comes to a training plan. Plus, you know, he's coached hundreds and hundreds of athletes as well. So being able to take all that experience from not only his own racing, but also his experience of coaching others, he's able to really fine tune an amazing training plan for you to help hit your goals. Whether it's a 5k or whether it's a hundred miles, he has a plan for you. And if you want to go even deeper, you can actually hire him as a personalized coach where he's going to take a plan and personalize it to your lifestyle. So that includes your schedule, your stress levels, your sleep levels, your lifestyle, your goals, everything else like that, he goes even further and personalizes it in a personalized plan and also offers calls where you can hop on with him on a routine basis to go over your training, answer your questions, and ultimately get the coaching you need. That's the package that I've used with Zach over the past year and a half, and I've seen incredible results with him uh, going from pretty much an average and mediocre runner to placing top 10 male at Havelina 100, which was one of the most stacked events last year on the ultra running circuit. So if you want to make great progress, if you want to have an awesome training plan, or 
if you're looking for an amazing coach, I cannot recommend Zach even more than I already do. He is just amazing to uh, work with and just an awesome, awesome coach and uh, person to get a training plan from. So if you're interested in the training plans, go to the the show notes and go to the link in there, which is zachbitter.com slash training hyphen plans, or you can go to his coaching options at zachbitter.com slash coaching. Again, go to the show notes, check it out, get Zach's plan for your next uh, ultra or hire him as a coach and I promise you will not be disappointed my friends all right thank you so much again for listening appreciate you a ton now let's dive into this amazing episode here What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super stoked about this podcast episode because I always love talking with the people um, who are not only just great athletes, but also um, people who have just had incredible years. And uh, when we talk about today's guest, he is both of those, both an incredible runner and someone who has an incredible 2022, so much so he was included in the top 10 Ultra Runner of the Year awards, which we know is super, super prestigious in the sport, coming in at number 10. And to give you some highlights, about his year um, from 2022, which was just super, super impressive there. Uh, Gorge Waterfalls, second place overall. Tushers Mountain Runs, first place overall. And then the highly competitive Run Rabbit Run, which we all know has a very stacked field at the 100 Mile Hairs, coming in at first place on top of there. And then also uh, second place in UTMB Thailand as well, which is super, super cool to see that as well. So he's got a ton of amazing experience as well from the Seattle area and just uh, an all-around great guy. And we're going to talk about tons of amazing topics here today such as like competing against pros as an amateur, uh, prepping for some international races, uh, mindset tips too, which I know is always something that everyone's here is uh, is stoked to listen about. And uh, I can tell you that we we got uh, such a great guest to kind of cover all those topics and have an amazing conversation. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Rich Lockwood to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. Rich, thanks so much for coming on the show, my friend. I appreciate you. Oh, thanks, man. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm stoked to chat. Yeah, man, I'm stoked to chat with you too. And congrats on uh, getting into the list of ultra runners of the year. Like that is just incredible. And with a year that you've had so well-deserved, man. And I, it's so cool to see like that, uh, how much potential even you have going to going forward. So I'm ex- excited to see 2023 and beyond for you as well. But before we kind of dive into some of the topics we talked about, we'd love to hear about your 2022 and some takeaways as well. How did the Rich Lockwood story start in terms of running and, and what is your background like getting into this crazy sport that we call ultra running? Uh, yeah, so I didn't grow up with any running uh, in my life, like just played a ton of soccer growing up hmm. So through middle school, high school, a little bit in college, um, but never ran, never ran track, never ran cross country. Um, but then um, maybe like when I was about 25 or so. I played a ton of indoor soccer, um, but I was in school and kind of had less time. So I decided I was going to start running, keep in shape. And then, I don't know, similar to a lot of people's stories, I think like it just kind of snowballed, uh, was having fun with running, decided to sign up for a marathon. Then I was just running road marathons, um, like one a year. Um, but I was really big into hiking, rock climbing. Um, so I would kind of run to stay in shape, but I was mainly rock climbing and stuff. And then when I was finishing school and had a little bit more time, I can't remember if it was a friend of mine or if I had just been like looking up road races and stumbled upon trail racing. But as soon as I found it, I was like, 
oh my gosh, like this is the perfect like crossroads, like running and I get to be out in the mountains. Um, and then I remember my first race, I ran a 50K um, on the north side of the Columbia Gorge at Beacon Rock. And it was like instant, like all in. I just loved it. I loved the mountains. I loved everyone that I met there. I made a ton of friends. And then I wanted to race like, you know, then I ended up racing, you know, three more trail races that year running in the mountains with a bunch of people I had met there. And yeah, it was like just an instant love for it. It was, yeah, it's like the, uh, just like I said, perfect crossroads of being in the mountains and running. So yeah, that's kind of like a quick version of how I made my way into this crazy sport. And then, um, yeah, from a 50 K, I think I just got into that mindset of just trying to see how much further I could push myself distance wise. That's awesome. And it's so interesting, like an athlete of your caliber too, with, with not a lot of running back background, right? We hear like the traditional kind of stories, right? Where it's like, like a lot of people who we bring on the podcast were like, what's your background? They're like, well, you know, I ran cross country in high school and then I went to like track and like competed. And that's like kind of like the typical stories, especially with, with someone who's performing at your level. But I think it's so awesome that you're coming from a background of soccer and not a lot of running background and really starting running around like 25. Tell us about kind of maybe that those first initial years getting into running. Like what was it like? I guess like um were you like looking in the future to to perform at the high level? Like what were kind of like the early days of your running like as you were, you know, getting into the sport? Uh, initially um you mean like running in general or in the trail running uh well running in general first and then also okay. into trail running as well i'd love to hear kind of both those aspects okay yeah i mean i think i would say that when i was running on roads and doing road marathons i <clears throat> honestly was like not competing at any kind of high level or um i mean like i would do well i was like you know, I would, I would work towards PRs, but, um, I had no real training program. I was just kind of going out running by feel and yeah, each one I would be like, yeah, I was running one a year and I'd just be like, all right, each year I'm going to try to knock, you know, 15, 20 minutes off my time and just like slowly work my way up. Um, but then I think the cool thing about trail running is like the field sizes are smaller, um, mm. I think anyone can really be competitive or feel that competitive vibe. Cause I, I went into my first 50 K with no kind of aspirations, just like really stoked to go see what trail running was all about. And then it just so happened. I got third place at the race oh, and, wow. and kind of, yeah, I didn't like immediately think like, Oh, I'm going to be great at this. But it was like a moment for me where I was like, Oh, like it's cool that I absolutely love this. And like, maybe there is some potential. And so, um, after, after that, like the first couple years of trail running, I was, you know, and I still am just so enamored with spending time out in the mountains, having amazing experiences running with friends, but, um, it's been cool to kind of like have it. I've been able to get these like carrots of like, Oh, I did a little bit better at this race. or I podium at this race. Um, or like, oh, I competed with these people and I was kind of in the mix. Um, I think trail running is more approachable that way, at least from my perspective, um, for people getting into it to kind of like be in that mix. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. And I love how you mentioned like you kind of got that taste like when you got like third place at like your first ultra or first trail run, which is just like, I mean, that is 
that's impressive as is. And like to, to have just that taste would be like, Oh, like what else is possible? Like what, what can I do? And everything like that. How did like, obviously you placed well in that, in that first trail race that you did, but like, I mean, how did it go? Like, how did it feel? Like, I mean, I'm always interested to hear like someone who's, you know, starting out in the road kind of background and the transition into trail, like usually like people aren't as successful. I would say, I know at least for myself, when I first went from road to trail, it was a nightmare for me. I know uh, some other people can probably relate as well, but you know, it seemed to go pretty well. So what was that first kind of race like? And, uh, tell us a little bit about that day. Uh, yeah. So, um, it was a loop course, two loops. And I really like, like anyone I think was like, just so in the moment and loving it that I kind of didn't even really realize where I was at within the race until like I think like maybe mile 25 or maybe mile like 22 or something like that there was an aid station and uh I came through and like I had grabbed like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich which is one thing that was kind of crazy to get used to in trail running I was like trying to get used to running while eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich (laughs) crazy um but like as I was running through they were like first and second place or just ahead like go catch them and I was like oh dang all right um but yeah like I said I was kind of just in in the moment and doing my thing and like like I said I met a whole bunch of really cool people was just like chatting with people all day and it was like a cool very like low-key um like kind of chill local race um so nothing super competitive and I will say like Tyler Green won that day and I think he was like an hour and a half ahead of me. <laughs> I got third, but uh I wasn't anywhere close to uh first or second. Um but yeah, that was kind of kind of the vibe. It was just like I said, I don't know, it was like everyone camped out at the race start and then there was like a big after party after the race. It was just like such a polar opposite to what I've been used to with racing. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's such like a different feel and community, even from like the peanut butter sandwiches and like just the, the party and like the adventure that you get. Whereas like I, I, I even just racing a few road races myself, it can be very rigid and very different and almost like a little bit more like on the like uh, intense side competitively. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, you know, different kind of uh, strokes for different folks, so to say. But yeah, it's, it's such a different area in the trail space. And I always like say like anyone on the road, like go out and try a trail race just once just to because like people are like why would you run on trails it's like well run a race and i feel like you'll you'll go out and see it and see it for yourself and everything so after that first race right like you you get that third place and you, you even mentioned like even before then it wasn't kind of like your thought to you know go out and kind of win that thing it was just you know spur of the moment kind of happened in there um did you like start to like really set the intention after that to be like i really like think I can compete. I want to compete. I guess like when did that competitive drive start to kind of emerge like in your running as well? Cause I know looking at your ultra sign up did white river 50 after that. And then did Chuck Chuck and which is a pretty, you know, competitive ultra, so to say as well. So curious to hear like when you're kind of competitive, um, you know, or, or if it is, if that is something that drives you, um, you know, to be at the top of the podium when that arose for you. Yeah, I would say that like getting third at that race was like at the first race was like an interesting thing to me. And I did think about it, but I think I just like got caught up in the whirlwind of adventures in the mountains and kind of didn't really think about it again Mm. 
maybe for like I did race Chuckanut the next year, but that's a local race here. I knew that it was competitive, um, but I didn't go out with any intention mm -hmm. to uh, to race hard. I mean, I from that race on, I think maybe more so I was like, I'm going to race like as hard as I can at all of these. And and hopefully that that puts me up there. But I don't think it was really until like maybe a couple of years later that I was mm -hmm. like, I think like having one, I was like, Oh, that's cool. Maybe it was random. Um, and then, but then like after a couple of years of racing and not really going all in on it and still doing pretty well, then I was kind of like, Oh, maybe I should put a little bit more thought into this, mm. start things up, be a little bit more strategic with my training. And then maybe I can go a lot farther than, than I am already. That's awesome. So you were just basically leaning into the enjoyment mostly like after that first kind of race and just, just soaking it in and just like loving the sport for loving the sport. Correct. Fully. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. And I think that's such a good way to go about it. Cause if it's all about the wins or the podiums or getting the PRs, like it can be like, if that's all you really want, sometimes, especially in the beginning, it can be easy to kind of get burnt out or, you know, feeling like you're, you're always measuring up against the field or everything. So I love that you had that, that time to focus on the love, to focus on the, the, the experience and being out there on the trails. I think that is what makes, um, people who can perform at a high level greatest because they have that genuine love. And when you have that time to like really stoke the flames of that, I think it makes people not just a better runner, but ultimately enjoy it a lot more, which is awesome. So you mentioned like kind of along the line, you started to wanted to take things more seriously and kind of be more strategic. What were those specific moves that maybe you made to, to kind of be more, you know, smarter or efficient or more dialed in with your training. Um, what were kind of maybe those shifts that you kind of made, like going from, from that kind of transition? Uh, yeah, I think there was like a, a couple things. Um, one like shifting kind of like my all around focus to be a little bit more running centric. I still definitely think that there's, an extreme value in being like multifaceted and having a lot of different things in your life, mm -hmm. not being really focused. Um, but like up until, you know, a couple of years ago, I think I had a really hard time like getting my long runs in or something. I would be like blowing stuff off to go climb or to go ski. And so I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to take a couple of years and uh, I'm really going to, just like crank in on running and try to do it. I, like I said, I still try to do other things as well. I still mountain bike and climb and ski. Um, but um, that was one thing is like, I kind of focused a little bit more of my energy into running. And then um, I've been working with a mentor of mine and doing some coaching with him um, and then shifted and started working with Jason Schlarb mm. and, I think like a bunch of like mental and physical things as far as the training with him is going um, really helped me level things up. 
hundred mm, percent. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's so cool to see like you're, you're kind of honing in on the focus, right? Like you hear all the time, like when it comes to people who are high performers, they're very focused in there. And you were even mentioning like, you know, shifting more towards running, not totally, you know, sidetracking the biking or the climbing or anything like not giving it up completely, but kind of just, you know, narrowing in the focus a little bit more. Uh, and then to, you know, see where it's taking you from there has been super cool. And it's awesome that you kind of hired the, the, the coach as well. Right. Like, I think, I think, that's always such a good first step for like people who do want to like compete better is going in and hiring a coach. Cause, uh, as we like most of the, the, the top athletes out there, they work with coaches and, uh, that's how they kind of got their start in the sport. So it's kind of cool to see there as well. What are some things that like really like starting to work, um, you know, with your coach specifically that like really helped you to kind of, you know, move the needle to the next level, um, or really made some shifts in your training that you saw, like kind of like the biggest improvement on, was there anything that you can kind of pinpoint or was it more, uh, kind of having that, uh, mental edge and, and guidance of a coach and everything like that? What were kind of maybe some, some big factors where you saw like the most progression in, in your running? Uh, I think that, uh, just overall, larger volume of running mm. uh, especially just because i tend to lean more towards big mountain like 100k 100 mile distance races i think that like having the more having more volume on your legs just kind of like will get them so much more prepared so you don't feel totally trashed like a mile 65 70 of a 100 mile race um but then also like like incorporating strides into runs, um, specific workouts. Like, I don't know. Did you grow up running and being coached with running? Okay. Oh, yeah. No. So I sit similar backgrounds as you like, no, like I started running when I was like 22, 23. So same, same kind of stuff on your, your edge. Yeah. Yeah. So like not having like any frame of reference for like what workouts I should be doing. Um, I think that really helped out with, doing progression runs or doing like hill repeats um and um and then like doing a tempo mid long run um stuff like that i think um from a fitness standpoint bump things up and then having someone who's so experienced mm -hmm. at a high level to like just talk about strategy talk about nutrition, talk about mindset stuff leading into a race is, is like just as important as the physical part of training. Yeah. I love that. And it's, I, I feel like to your point, like having those workouts and the different structure around it is so like, it, it's, it's really important because a lot of the gains are made, like whether it's speed or endurance or, you know, uh, getting up a hill, like come from the strides, the workouts, like those are so pivotal and like, it's so interesting to see like how I, athletes I followed along, I mean, including yourself, like how just adding those things in can make such a big difference in there as well. And I love that you talk about like the, the, you know, the, the mindset portion, right? The mental portion. It's not just the physical, it's not just the strides, it's not just the hill repeats, but it's also the mind as well. What are some shifts that helped you mentally to, to start to, you know, really perform just at the level that you've been in? And maybe on top of that too, on top of what you learned as well, I guess like what's your general mindset going into these these big races in the mountains at high altitude right because it's kind of a different thing so it's kind of a two-part question here but would love to hear your approach on mindset on those things yeah I think there's a couple things um 
a big thing that I've worked on this past year is like, I know that I think a lot of us, myself included, can like daydream about just like how epic it's going to be running out in the mountains and how like you're just going to be ripping miles along a ridge or something. Um, but I've really tried to lock into like what it's going to feel like when I'm like really in a low moment and preparing like my mental talk for that moment in the race so that once I get there, I already have the toolkit to like, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this way. This is how I'm going to work myself out of it. Instead of being like, oh, I thought I was going to be like ripping miles in the sunshine all day long. <laughs> so like you have a way to be like, okay, you know, I've been working hard. Like I know that I can get up this hill. Like I'm going to get myself out of this. Um, so like that. And then also um, having a plan, like having multiple plans and I like it like, so obviously like you go into a race, you want to win it. I think you should always shoot for the moon. Like you should really give yourself that opportunity to be like, I want to be on the podium. I want to be up there in the mix. Um, but I like to always have like some subsequent goals. If mm -hmm. like the start slipping away from me, not that I want to like, I definitely don't want to, you know, bow out of my podium goal too quickly, but I also don't want to be just like totally shattered when like, things are getting out of hand and like what I had dreamt of isn't happening. So like being like, okay, podium's not in it for me today. You know, I had looked at the profile and like, these are the places where I was going to push. Let's make huge pushes there still. Mm. Or I ran this race before and I wanted to get a PR or I'm like running a hundred K and I want a hundred K PR today. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on my time. Mm. And even like you think you haven't gotten your goal, you could still work your way back into that initial goal if you focus on like some subsequent goals that you also had in line so i think those things have helped out a lot that's such a good point i, I love both those things right because i think it's so easy for us to, to think about how good it's gonna be how how awesome it's gonna be and we almost like and i think it's great to get like stoked on that but to your point it's like we almost make this false expectation in my in our heads that we're gonna feel great the entire time which is clearly usually never the case for anyone in an ultra and and hey if you're listening to this right now and you've ran you know 100k 100 miles and felt great the whole time please hit me up i would love to love to hear the secrets but uh to your point it's almost like you're getting a game plan to prepare for the inevitable moments when you know you start to feel bad when you start to you know feel like a little tired or sore you know all those things as well so that number one you're not blindsided but number two you have a plan and I love the approach of having those different goals in there because I think it can be so easy to, you know, drop from a race or even just count yourself out if like you're like, oh, well, my goal of podiuming or getting first place is done. So screw it. I might as well quit. And then like then you have the repercussions of the DNF and everything like that. And so I love that approach to have those two things in there. You mentioned like uh in that first part of the answer there that you uh, think of ways to kind of get your head back in the game. Like when you're starting feeling bad, take us through that process. And maybe do you have like a story at like one of your races that like you can really think of where you, you know, dug deep into, into the mind when it wasn't feeling great and, and kind of revived yourself through, you know, getting through a low point. I think it's, it's happened to me, uh, you know, in almost, I think, there were only there was only maybe one race in this past season where I like really felt like pretty cruiser the whole time. So, um, I mean, like off the top of my head, I know in at Gorge, um, 
just early season race. And like you were saying, I, it's like, I think it's a great thing to pump yourself up. Be like, you put in the training, you've worked hard, like you're going to rip this. Um, but yeah, like it was an early season race. It was in April, beginning of April. And I think that like, I just like my body wasn't ready to like run that fast in a hundred K for that mm -hmm. long. Um, so I think like leading up to it, I was, you know, giving myself the self-talk of like, you've put in the work, you've worked really hard, like you deserve to be here. Um, but like when things get tough, it's like passion over pressure. Like mm. don't put pressure on yourself. Remember why you're here. Look around like, and like get back to, you know, you love being out here in the mountains. Um, and, and then also I think, you know, I'll also be like, okay, like a checklist of like things I should work through if I'm starting to get low. So I'm like, if I'm cramping, like, let's think about taking some salt or, um, if I'm feeling really bonky, like maybe I should be eating some gels at that point, you know? So mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think I, I definitely like started getting really crampy and like was feeling like kind of like uh, woozy, um, and I think I had just been like pushing, like redlining for too long. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of like focus myself back in on that had been a race that I've been thinking about. I think when I ran my first race, there were people at the after party that were talking about like what a cool race that was at Gorge. And then there was the fire there. Yeah. They didn't run that race for like two, maybe three years. And so when I heard it was opening back up, and that Ryan and Dylan were like helping out with it with daybreak. I was like, I've got to be there. So, um, also just was like, you've been wanting to do this for so long. Like, just remember, like, you know, it's a privilege to be out there running at the gorge to help lift yourself back up. Yeah. That's so awesome. And I love how, like, you know, you're kind of going through your process of just kind of like taking mental stock throughout and like seeing like, Oh, how's my nutrition? Like, you know, why am I kind of feeling this way? Like going in there and then even just focusing on the gratitude of being out there in the race. I think that's something that is <laughs> so, uh, and I laugh just because I, I, so I raced black Canyon on Saturday and I'm, I'm laughing. Cause I, I felt the same way. I was like, I've freaking hate this trail. This thing is like the worst. And then, you know, you kind of got to, in the end of the day, be like, I'm in a beautiful place. I'm out on the trail. Like I signed up to do this. Like you almost like lean into the gratitude a little bit more, even in the moments when you feel like, you know, just, just totally cursing out the trail, which I've been there many times before, which is awesome. Um, you know, for you, you know, you mentioned that you're, you're kind of big into the the mountains and obviously at run rabbit, like you're in the mountains too. You, you did very, very well at a competitive field. Does your mindset approach, I guess, how does it kind of differ being in those bigger mountains, being at altitude, like relative to, you know, maybe some races that are lower elevation, not as mountainous, right? Does the mindset kind of change for you or is there certain kind of shifts that you make in those kind of things? Tell us about like those kind of races, like when you're kind of high and high and steep in the mountains. Yeah, I think for me, being high in the, high and steep in the mountains is really like an easier place to like really lock into that passion over pressure. Cause it's like, that's where really like my heart is like maybe like something kind of like gorge too, like something like flatter, more rolling and like where you're running really hard is like something where I've got to dig a little bit deeper into my, into my mental toolkit to get through it. But being up in the mountains, 
being on trails, amazing views, I think um, is a lot easier to just like really be in that moment and really just like bask in, mm. in all of the beauty, especially in a new place, somewhere you've never been before. Um, but I did like, obviously there was the altitude situation and I live in Seattle, which is like basically sea level. I mean, it is sea level. Right. Uh, and we don't really have mountains much over like seven, 8,000 feet that are accessible early in the summer to train on. So, um, I went out to Colorado a couple times. I raced, um, Tushers, which is up at like 10, I think you top out at like 12,000 feet of that race. So I felt like I at least knew what it was going to feel like. Um, so that when that time come, I was like, okay, when that time comes and I'm feeling like I'm breathing really heavy, at least it won't be surprising. I'm going to know what that feels like. Cause before this season, I don't think I had ran up at altitude really at all. Really? Um, yeah. Um, so at least I knew what it would feel like. Um, I paced a buddy of mine at hard rock. And then, like I said, I ran tushers. Um, and I kind of just tried to put it out of my mind and like, just not really give it any, you know, any like way to get in my mind. I was like, you know, you don't have a way to train for it out here. So it's just going to, it's going to be what it's going to be. And hopefully everything works out fine. And wow. luckily. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I actually do like that mindset, right? Because a lot of people, it can be easy for the brain to kind of go in and throw out these excuses of like, wow, you live in Seattle. Like, you know, like, or, you know, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. And it's like, you, you it's, I'm like, oh, I'm in Phoenix. It's, you know, not, it's warm here. Like I'm going to a cold race and blah, blah, blah. And like have all those things. But if you just say, Hey, like I trust my training and you know, to your point, even if you just get a taste of it for just like one or two races, like, you know what it feels like. Tell us a little bit more about how you kind of like manage those things out there of like heavy breathing. Right. Cause usually a lot of the times, I hear on altitude things, right? Like, and especially from people like living in, you know, Flagstaff or Silverton or wherever, right? It's kind of like you you get like acclimated to the the thing and you don't breathe as much, but you, it seems like you're, you, you know, you're going to breathe hard and you're just like, I'm going to push through any. So how do you, how do you I guess manage that? Like, what's, what's kind of like your, like, do you just push through? Like, even though the breathing's there, like I, I'm so like, this is, it's, it's like you figured out how to race well, in altitude without acclimating, which I think is just amazing. So, so tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, luckily, I mean, I, I think there is somewhat of like a hereditary thing going on where like some people do do worse at altitude. Like mm -hmm. I know friends that will start to get headaches up at like 8,000 feet even. But, um, I think that I definitely, just like plan to like, and I also do this at Tushers. I was like, just drink as much as you can and like eat as much as you can. I think that I've done some like high altitude climbing, like on Mount Rainier here and then down in Guatemala and in South America and all the, anytime I was climbing with a guide, they'd be like, just drink tons of water. Like if you start getting a headache, just drink a ton of water. Um, so I would basically just like try to drink as much water as I could, um, to keep that in check. Um, but again, like I really found myself like just so wrapped up in the race. I didn't think about it a ton. I will say that like, so I was in like fifth place, sixth place for a while, then like worked my way up to into second place by around like the 
halfway point or like i think like by like yeah i was in second place at the halfway mark and then coming into like 60 miles was when i passed into first mm. it was like basically we had just come down a downhill and we were heading into this like massive climb and i was just like i i had also like bashed my knee really hard at the beginning of the race which is another story but um oh my gosh it had been really hard to run downhill and so I was like, if it feels good to run uphill, I'm just going to like go into like, I basically went into the just like yoga, like deep breathing, like trance and was I don't know, like, I was out there by myself, like running through the night for hours. And I think I was just like breathing heavy, just like in this, like kind of like trance, like for hours on end by myself, just like, and it wasn't like, didn't feel like heavy breathing where I couldn't get enough air. It was more just like you know how you get in like when you're running and you don't really have to think about it, but you're like maybe breathing heavily. You're in this kind of like cycle. I think I was just like, like heavy breathing cycle. Um, And yeah, just there were no pacers in that race. So I think I was just like in this like whole zone by myself, just being like, just battle through it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So do you feel like you were like more present through that breathing? Was it, is it, or is it just more like a autopilot? It were like a little bit of both. Like, um, like what was that kind of like my way into it yeah oh my gosh that's so cool and i know the exact feeling i've had that before it's like you're you're breathing hard and like to someone else there they might be like dude are you like all right like are you like uh are, are you are you like alive out there but but it's more of like a rhythmic thing and like once you kind of ease into it you get into this like okay i'm breathing this pace it feels good like i'm in the zone i'm just kind of taking it like it like and it's so cool like and i i think the breath is like just a powerful tool for anyone to kind of master out there right like i mean and even just the emergence of some you know people that you see out there like a wim hof or even navy seals are talking about how they focus on breathing, like when they're in high stressful situations. I think it's something that's like not as utilized as much in the ultra running space, but to you, it sounds like it's a, you know, when you kind of focus in on it and kind of have this rhythmic thing and go into that meditative state, like you mentioned before, you can get a good rhythm kind of going with it. Yeah, it, it worked. Whatever it worked. I was, I was blown away that I ended up doing so well at that race, to be honest. Um, But, but yeah, I think I just kind of got in the zone. That's awesome. That's that's so cool. Like, and so like, were you more surprised of like not doing well in that race of just like the, the field itself or just the, the climate or uh, like, I guess, like, what were your expectations going in? Was it just kind of like, were you shooting to win or was it more like, I'm just going to see what happens? Like, uh, what was kind of your approach with that? I think it was a combination. Um, like I was saying, you always want to like dream of yourself up in that podium. And I, I don't know if I ever really had given myself the chance that I was like, I'm going to win this thing outright. But I knew I wanted to be in the mix and be up on the podium. I had, I was supposed to run the race the year earlier. A bunch of friends were going out to run. It was a bummer. I got a stress fracture in my shin last year. So I didn't end up being able to run it. And so I just like um, deferred it to the next year. So um, there was that too. I was like, oh man, I've been waiting to run this for like two years. So it was really stoked and, and ready to run it. But, um, and I knew I was fit and that I'd done well at Tushers up at altitude. Um, but yeah, I really didn't know what, what I was going to be capable of out there. 
That's awesome. I mean, it was an an epic win, as you know. It's a tough course, and it's also you know highly competitive as well. And so, I'd love to hear from your perspective, right? Because like you're you're going out there and you're competing against pros, right? Like Run Rabbit, like you get some of the best talent in the sport, right? Like so, I mean, Arlen Glick, right, right on your heels at second place, yeah. like w- number four ultra run of the year, great, great dude, and tons of other countless great names out there on the field as well. Um. I guess like what's your perspective on competing against professionals as an, as an amateur athlete? Like I always love seeing, you know, amateur athletes going out there and just, you know, giving pros a run for their money and in your case kind of beating them, which is, is super cool to see it out there. What's your mindset on there? And I guess like, how do you, how do you think about that? Like being able to, to go toe to toe with the pros, um, being someone who who's out there in the sport and just, uh, just going out and ripping it. I think, uh, that it's obviously like a super unique and awesome position that we have in trail running that we do get to like toe the line right alongside like the top people in our sport. Um, so it's really cool that we're even like able to put ourselves in that mix. Um, and I think a really cool thing about it too, is like if you, and you know, you, you've run races with pros too, and you know, like you put yourself in that mix and you're out running, you're talking with pros, like, they're just like, you know, everyone's just like a person out there that's stoked on mountains that wants to run. So I think that like putting yourself in the mindset of like, oh, these are some fast folks, but not putting it up on like too high of a pedestal of being like, this is untouchable. And like more being like, these are gonna be some great people to learn from and like some great conversations I'm about to have out on the trails, like talking with Arlen, talking with Avery at that race, like while we were out running, um, when I was in Thailand, got to spend a bunch of time chatting with like Scotty Hawker and, oh, and nice. Jason Clark out there running. So, um, yeah, I think it's like just an amazing opportunity and should be like, yeah, be, be stoked on getting the opportunity to race there and just be like, be excited for the experience to learn from it and uh and harness some of that energy from that from the elite field yeah so good and i i never quite thought about like how unique it is to be racing like in you know the same kind of category as some of these elite runners right because even you know in other kind of sports it's they have different leagues and like they have different kind of things but it's like this is the race and you know, you're towing up against the line against some of the best in the best best. And to your point, it's such an opportunity to, to chat with them and learn from them. But yeah, like it, to your point too, they're also uh, humans just like us. They're, they're people who love running. They love the mountains. And when you talk to them, it's like that. I, I remember I did hobbling hundred last year and I was, you know, running with uh, Dakota Jones, who's like, you know, one of the, one of the best in our sport, but he, yeah. Great guy, right? Super chill, super great. Like just we're just chatting about just running and just getting to know each other. Same with Arlen, amazing dude too. And like even yourself, like who I consider like one one of the best in the sport right now. So it's like we're having a great chat here. Like everybody, uh, you realize it's like, oh, like, you know, they're they're just people who love running just as much as I do, which is cool. On the learning aspect, right? I mean, you've had conversations with Arlen and other people, like you mentioned in there. And it also raced alongside these guys. So whether it's something you've learned from them in conversation or just being in proximity of them, I guess like what's something that, that 
you've learned from from being surrounded by you know the pros that has had like a, a big impact on the way that you race the way that you tow the line uh, is there anything that kind of comes to mind in terms of just lessons learned from from being around you know uh these athletes uh yeah for sure um like i know early on before I had even before I was really in the mix, but I would like run up at the front for a little while and chat with people. I know I learned a bunch from Tyler Green about really like trusting your intuition, not going out too hard and like really like creating a plan and, and like sticking to it and trusting, trusting that it's going to work out for you in a race um, and not like being too reactive to what's happening like if it's way different than uh, a plan that you would have for the race i think with jason just like his his joy and love for the sport and for the mountains is so contagious um and i think when you can go into a race and spend the majority of it just like so amped up on how beautiful the place you are is and how amazing the people are you around that like really will let you get lost in what you're doing and like take the stress out of the situation. Um, and then like talking with Avery and talking with Arlen and other folks, I think like the confidence just that they mm. like kind of like that they speak with and stuff like just like the confidence in their abilities and the confidence of, of what they're doing is really like, will like rub off on you for sure and be like, Oh yeah, that's like a powerful thing to like have that confidence in yourself. Yeah. That's, and that last point so true. Like you can tell like when people are confident, especially at that. And I've talked with Arlen too. I got the same exact vibe from him. Like it's just, he talks and you're like, Oh, he, he believes in himself. Like yeah. this is like awesome. And so uh, it's so cool to like, like when you experience that firsthand, it almost is like, dang, like I, I could, I could be confident like that. I can, you know, kind of talk like that and you almost like become confident in yourself around there. And I, I also love the point and I, I keep highlighting, cause I think it's just so important when you talk about leaning into the stoke for the mountains and how just the, the love for being out there is such a good drive to have out there. And I think it's even more refreshing because a lot of times it can be easy to think like someone who maybe isn't competing on that level, like that's like a a luxury for someone who's not going out and racing, but the people racing too still love it as well. Like they still love it and they still lean into that. And I even think the best racers in the sport, such as yourself are the ones who lean into that thing. So I love it. You keep bringing that up because it's just something so, so awesome. And, you know, kind of building on the stoke. And one of the things that you were kind of mentioning there, you know, talking about, uh, the international race. So, uh, you know, you, you, uh, UTMB, like, uh, where you at, sorry, UTMB Thailand, like being in that area, uh, was your first international race, correct? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that and maybe like the, the experience, the kind of like the, the whole like gearing up for that, right? Because it's a, I've never done an international race. So like, I'm even curious myself, I guess like, Tell us a little bit about that experience. Like, what are some things you had to kind of do differently? How did you manage like the, the big time shift? Like, tell us, tell us a little bit about that experience in Thailand. Yeah. Um, I'll start off by saying like, I highly recommend international racing to everyone out there. If I know it's like a privileged thing to be able to do. Um, but if you can a few times in your life, for sure, like the combination of like the adventure of travel and being in a new place 
side by side with like then also being able to like run a race where you have aid stations set up through mountains like it's just so cool um i think it was tough um leading into it it was kind of like a, a last minute decision of mine um because yeah there was like I think I ended up like my whatever the UTMB index score like bumped up mm -hmm. a bunch after run rabbit. And I was like, Oh, well now I guess I could go run this race and get a free entry and blah, blah, blah. And then hopefully set myself up to run CCC next year. So it was like, I don't think I decided until like October or something. And the race was in December. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, yeah. Yeah um luckily we had a pretty warm fall here in seattle but still i think i was you know the last like three weeks of training leading up to the race i was running like up into the mountains into the snow um in the cold in the rain um and it was like 85 90 <laughs> degrees like 80 percent humidity in thailand so a lot of sauna time so i'd say like for sure for any international race get an idea of what the climate's like, what the profile of the race is like, what the technicality is. Like, luckily, I think that the running we do out here in the forests of the Pacific Northwest is kind of just like a cold jungle. So mm. I was like, I, I'm running in the jungle. It's just really cold. So I just like upped my sauna time to really try to like acclimate a little bit to the heat factor before I got there. Um, and then as far as like getting over there yeah it's like a 15 hour time difference i think yeah so i definitely went out i think i went out six days before the race okay. um and yeah it was bad jason was also running the 100k um my coach and so he and i split a spot out there in chiang mai leading up to the race met a bunch of cool people hannah allgood was out there so ran with her we did some scouting on the course just like such a blast i we jason and i ended up getting bikes at our airbnb so we were cruising bikes all around the city trying all the new food and like going to night markets like just such a blast like before the race even happened i was mm -hmm. like i'm good like this vacation has been so sick but then like getting <laughs> cool um there was also like you know there was like a press being like a UTMB race was a little added. Like there's like a press meeting beforehand where you get called up and then they like put us up in a little resort near the start finish line before the race. Um, so I would say like, the one thing I would say is like, it might be a little tough if you're the type of runner where everything's got to be like, mm. so, cause nothing is going to be, just like what you've you know your routine in normal life because you're totally out of your normal routine which is but it's a cool thing like i would just say like enjoy the journey like it's all part of it and like control the few things you can control and just like fully embrace it and yeah so fun so so fun that's so awesome. And I love that that piece of advice of like, if you're going to be in the routine and you kind of lean on that, I, I and I've never done it internationally, but I can see how just being in a, you know, different area, different culture, different kind of thing. Like, it's like if you want things to be a certain way, especially when you're in a foreign country where it's like now you're playing by the rules of the land that you're currently in. 
if you have your own routine, like it might just not line up. And I love that kind of like surrender to knowing that, you know, things are going to be different and everything like that. It's going to be a thing. And obviously you performed well coming in second place of that race on such a short notice as well, which is, which is super cool. Do you feel like your excitement for being out there in this new country played a factor into your success that day of, of, you know, placing on the podium and coming in second? I'd say, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, yeah, like there were numerous times throughout the race where I just like audibly like yelled, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> just like a weirdo out, like on my own, like in this rice paddy in the jungle, just so stoked on it. I think it, yeah, it really helped out. That's awesome. That's so cool. Like, and you can just tell just from like chatting with you, your love for running and like, you know, how, how much you just lean into the stoke of it all, which is just like amazing. And I think like, I, even just me like talking with you when, whenever I like hear or chat with someone who loves running as much as you do, it's like, I almost love it even more. Right. Because, and I think it's like a cool thing that makes this community so special is like, you know, everyone just loves it. Like we were talking about before and like to see your love for it and taking it international is something cool as well. There's one question I want to ask you about international travel. It's one that, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say silly question, but it's one that stumped me. Someone asked me this and I just didn't even know the answer. So I'm curious your approach, uh, you know, going internationally, are you someone who would rather like front load the vacation or back load the vacation kind of part and exploring? Like, so you mentioned you did for the first six days. I, I don't think you mentioned if you stayed there longer. So I guess, did you stay there longer? And regardless of what that verdict is, do you think it would be, maybe this is a personal preference thing. So I guess like for you, would you rather like front load all the fun in the vacation or afterwards after the race? It's a tough one for sure. I definitely, and this is just because it's, I was really surprised. It's extremely hard for me to get time off work. I work at the level one trauma center at the hospital here in Seattle. And it's Mm -hmm. like by seniority, like, everyone can like request time a year in advance. So I was super surprised I got the time off. Um, but yeah, I basically was there for six days before the race, ran the race one day after and then flew out. So I didn't have any time. Oh. Wow. So it was uh, all before. Yeah, it was all before. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, especially if you're running like hundred K hundred mile race, I think it's a little gnarly if you're going to think you're going to adventure after that, cause you're going to respect probably, <laughs> but I will say like Scotty and uh, Nick Triolo was there. They were both headed down to like Southern Thailand or like out to some islands afterwards for just like maximum R and R like tropical relaxing <laughs> time, which I thought was a really great idea. So depending on where you're going, um, but I would say it was nice having like a week beforehand to like not necessarily train, but just like adventure, run, get your mind off the race and just like meet new people, go on adventures and like explore the place. I thought that was was really nice. That's awesome. That's so, so cool. And I agree with you. Like, I think my argument for doing it all before is to your point, especially if it's a hundred K or hundred miler and like. If you're doing like, like what you mentioned with with your friends, if it's like a lay on the resort and just chill, I think it's great. But like, if you want to be a place where you're like exploring and walking and everything like that, like uh, post hundred mile or hundred K just sounds like a, a 
just a struggle and a half. Like, so <laughs> totally get that, which is uh, super cool, man. And I'm glad to hear you had that experience. Obviously did well and everything. The natural next question, right? You go here, you place on the podium, uh, you know, it, with the UTMB rules, that kind of gets you, you know, uh, to spot into CCC. So is that kind of the big race for you this year? I guess like, and uh, I saw an ultra sign up. You're also signed up for, for uh, two races at Broken Arrow, the, the VK and the 46K. Um, so I guess like what's on the schedule for you this year is CCC like on your mind is that a race like tell us a little bit about what's in store for 2023 for you yeah I think for sure CCC will probably be my a race for the season yeah let's go let's go are you stoked for that I'm really excited like my wife and I went out for our honeymoon to Chamonix last summer and I was no like way. is amazing like we were there in June um and so I was like to run a race out there I'm really excited like talk about being stoked on the mountains out there. It's just like such a beautiful place. Um, and then the level of competition and how fast people are running out there is just really exciting. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm also running Lake Sonoma in April. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be really pumped to get a spot on the world champs team to go run in Austria in June um that would be absolutely amazing um but i kind of i signed up for broken arrow as my backup plan so gotcha so just, broken arrow is the backup lake sonoma and a shot at worlds is is priority over that yeah that would be the that would be the dream if that happens yeah but nice. really excited about broken arrow i've never done a vk before um but it sounds like a lot of fun um and yeah that race in general just looks really cool yeah, it looks like a sweet race. And I feel like a VK is like right up your alley. It's like like fast, but steep as all hell. And just you, you just give it everything you got just uphill for a short amount of time. And it sounds like right up your alley, too. And even uh, with the world thing, I'm stoked because, like, you know, we were talking about international racing and it's like you, you get it seems like everything that you get stoked about new environment, international travel, highly competitive i probably one of the most competitive world stages obviously like being at the world champs um which is super cool as well man so uh like i'll i'll be rooting for you at lake sonoma for sure to to get that world spot for sure thanks buddy it would yeah it would seriously be a dream Oh, that's awesome, man. And, and I think uh, you have a good shot at it. Like I was saying in the, in the beginning parts of this podcast, you're, you're one of the, the the best names out there. I think on the trail, like I think, you know, towing the line and any of these races, you, you got that shot on that day for sure. And the fitness and the mindset and the caliber, but most importantly, what we've been kind of like been the big theme through this is, is the love for it, the, the, the passion for it. I love how, you know, you were even saying to passion over pressure. Like, I think that's such a awesome thing as well. And I think when we t chat with, you know, high level athletes such as yourself, it can be almost commonplace to think that it's people are racing at a, a form of pressure, right? Oh, I got to be the best. I got to go out and hit this PR. I got to like, you know, smash the course record, like blah, blah, blah. But for you, you live by that passion over pressure because everything I've asked you, like what drives you, what do you like about it? It's all... I love being here. I love being out there. And so rich, man, like this has just been like an awesome ode to running, hearing uh, all this from you, my friend, and stoked to continue to, to continue to see you just loving it out there on the trails and crushing it. And before I ask my last question here, uh, for people who want to follow along your journey and, you know, see what you're up to, where can they best do so on social media? If you're on Strava, anything like that, where can they follow along your journey? Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram. It's just Richard Alex Lockwood. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on Strava as well. Rich Lockwood. You can 
find me on there. Heck yeah. Awesome. And I will uh, post all the links to, uh, to your Instagram and your Strava in the show notes. Anyone who wants to uh, give Rich a follow along, like uh, definitely, I know I'll be following along as well. So anyone listening wants to head to the show notes, click on there and and give him a follow. And uh, Rich for, for my last question here that I ask every single guest in this podcast, this show is all about helping endurance athletes, you know, uh, be better every single day. So the question I have is really rooted in that. And that is what would you, uh, for, for our listeners who want to be better endurance af- athletes every single day, what can they do every day to get to that goal? Mm, every single day? I would say just two things. For breakfast, banana and peanut butter. I have every morning. I'm telling every you. Every morning. Best. Uh, second thing I would say, it doesn't have to be running. Uh it doesn't really even have to be exercise. I would say move your body in some way each day. I think it's super important to have some kind of being outside, some kind of decompression, even if you're, you know, going outside to, you know, read a book or go play guitar or something, but just move around. I love that. Yeah. Movement is medicine. I think that's like one of like the biggest things for sure. And I got to ask one, one, la- I lied about being the last question. This is, this is the follow-up question with that banana with peanut butter. Is that even on days when you don't run? Is that like an everyday thing? Like for sure. Single day. Sweet. Well, I had to ask too, because like, I know I probably get the follow-up question and be like, wait, is it even the days that I run or don't run? So there you have <laughs> it folks. Uh, peanut butter, banana every day, move your body and uh, you're on your way to becoming a better endurance athlete every day. Uh, Rich, man, this was freaking awesome. Such a joy chatting with you. Like, uh, like I said, your, your, your love for running in the mountains is infectious. And uh, this was a real treat to speak with you, man. And and best of luck going into 2023. I know I'll be following along your journey. Stoked to see you at CCC at Lake Sonoma, uh, giving it all you got, maybe broken arrow, who knows, but uh, regardless, uh, you'll be out there. Uh, crushing it my friend and uh super stoked to have it and most importantly thanks so much for coming on the show man this is a pleasure it's been awesome dude thanks so much for having me on of course man of course and take care all right you too Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So it's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. And there's tons of podcasts out there. And the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll see you real soon. Take care.